Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Well, welcome to Sunday is not enough. Number three. First of all, though, I just want to thank you all one more time. I know we've said this a lot, but thank you for sending kids to camp. <laughs> Aaron and I just got back from chaperoning kids camp uh, on Friday. It was an absolute blast. The kids had a great time, got to learn so much about Jesus, and God really touched their hearts. Just to give you an example, kids camp is first through sixth graders. Okay. It's, it's a church camp. We do services twice a day, but they have an absolute love. It's like kid vacation, really. It's all about them. It's amazing. And I had one little girl, eight years old. She went up to the altar at altar time after service and no idea why she was there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause I asked like, you know, why did you come down here? What can we pray with you about? No concept of why she was there. Uh, but when she went back to her seat, she just started weeping. She just, it wasn't, it wasn't bawling. It wasn't whining, complaining. It was just tears streaming down her face. And I, so I went and I talked to her and I said, what's going on? And she said, my pap pap died. Come to find out it was five years ago. You know, so when she was three years old, her pap pap died. But we, we talked about how Jesus could come into her her heart and heal that part of her. And, uh, you know, he knows her heart better than anyone. He knows why she's hurting and that, that he can heal that. And all we have to do is ask him and, and he will. The next day we're headed back into service again. She runs up to me and very excitedly, she says, are we going to do the crying part again? And I was like, do you, do you want to? Like, I couldn't tell. Is that, do you want to do the crying part? She was like, yeah. See, I, don't think kids have the right words all the time for what they're feeling or what's going on in their souls. They just know something emotional and amazing is happening. And I think she was sort of grasping around for why she was sad and then found the, the closest sad thing, you know, that happened in her life. But I got to explain to this beautiful little girl, we don't have to wait until the end of service at kids camp to have that emotional moment with Jesus that the presence of God can be with us all the time and that's why we do worship and and I encourage her to go up and, and do worship like that and, and in prayer or we can experience him in nature because he's with us all the time since Jesus came we accepted him into our lives he is with us such amazing little conversations you get to have with kids at kids camp. I also had a little girl go uh, during service. She, she looked over me and she said, is that his last name? And I was like, what? <laughs> she goes, it's Christ. Is that his last name? She had a revelation. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so cute. But by the end of camp, the same little girl, all these stories were the same little girl. She was able, she had no concept of really her. She had a Bible, but she didn't really know how to use it at the beginning of camp. They did sword drills every day, like I was explaining in trivia, uh, which they put on, they put the Bible on their head. They say, one, two, three, go, and they have to find a scripture as fast as they can. She was faster than any of my other girls. I had seven little girls all week. She was the fastest by the end of camp. She could look any verse up. She was amazing at it. So again, Thank you for sending kids to camp. And I'm thanking you because we had so many sponsorships come in. You all, this church sent those kids to camp, not just their parents. And so we do it every year. It always impresses me. We sent uh, two dozen kids to youth camp as well. I forget the number now. And uh, I had seven girls. Aaron had five boys this week at kids camp. It was 
It was so much fun. So Aaron also wants you all to know that the boys won this week. He made me include that little tidbit. And it's probably mostly because they they take points based on their rooms. He had the cleanest room. They made him stand up in front of camp and they applauded all his kids. So, yeah, boys won. All right, so today I'd like to tell you a story, show you a story, really, in the Word, about a man named Ananias. It may seem like someone else is the star of the show today, uh, since you may know another name a little better. But the real star of this show today is Ananias. Ananias was an obedient man, a passionate man who obeyed God, even when it was dangerous, difficult, and scary. Our story begins today in Acts chapter 9, and we are going to read most of this story today. So starting in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Persecution is bad today, right? But Saul was literally hunting Christians in order to kill them, haul them off to prison. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way or Christianity he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Saul was a passionate man. I want you to notice that before we go on. You can see that even, you can see his passion even in his murderous tendencies, right? He, he burns with a passion for the law here, quite unlike any other. You know, other Jews may say people should be stopped from following Jesus, from following the way, as it was called in early Christianity. But Saul was a smart man, an educated man, a passionate man. He was going to get it done. He was going to actually stop Christianity. Which is why later in life, when he got a new job and a new calling, <laughs> he also got that one done. He was a naturally passionate man. This is why some people seem furthest from the gospel are actually not that far. I hear people all the time say, you know, this person or that person, they will never come to God. They've made that very clear. Like, they are so far away. The thing is, people who are passionate in general, uh, even passionately atheists or passionately anti-church, when they encounter the real Jesus, something something that causes them to question everything, of something that is, is real, they actually come very quickly to him. They're not the furthest away. They're actually pretty close. I'm not talking about stuck or stubborn people, but passionate people. Sometimes the ones furthest away actually come the quickest. I've seen this happen multiple times. And we just, we have to stand back and sort of pray for that thing. Pray for that one moment that will change everything for them. Pray that they encounter the real Jesus. I have seen this happen multiple times. It's pretty common, actually. In a moment, everything can change for a passionate person. Paul was passionately against Jesus. I should say Saul. His name was Saul before Jesus encountered him. Right? Saul was passionately against Jesus. But he is not the star of our story today. And we're going to keep reading in verse 3. As Saul was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Lord, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Enter the star of our story today. Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, for my for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer. For my name's sake. Ananias is the star of our story today because Ananias is easily one of those characters that you could just skip over in this story. I, I seem to be a big fan of these verses and these characters lately. The, the sentences in the story that seem insignificant or, or just context building can often be mind-blowing when you study them in depth. Meditate on it and ask God what he's showing you. So verse 17, Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul. Just that in itself, the way that he addresses him, you, you can see the character, the obedience, and the passion of Ananias, even in the way that he addresses Saul. This is a man who is murdering Christians. He's a murderer of Christians. He, he's the enemy by all natural senses of the word, and yet, Ananias calls him brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Look, we have hindsight now. And we know who Saul became, that he became Paul, and he was probably the greatest missionary of all time. Right? That most of us can trace back our Christianity if we went the whole way back through the generations probably to Saul or to one of the early apostles. I mean, he he started the early church all over the world, and yet Ananias didn't know that. <laughs> Ananias goes and disciples Saul, even though it was dangerous, just because he was obedient. Passionate disciples are disciple makers. We've covered this in series in the past, right? We've had whole series based on disciple makers, and yet it's something that we so easily forget. Passionate disciples are not just disciples themselves, but also disciple makers. At some point along the way in Christianity, we, we tend to forget this. Early Christians, new Christians, are, are passionate about telling everybody about this new thing that they've found, this love that they discovered, the freedom that they've discovered. But somewhere along the way, we, we forget. We, we feel like 
discipling is about me. I come into church to get fed, not to feed others. I, I come into church to hear the word of God, to encourage myself because I've had a hard week. We forget that it's about other people, that passionate disciples are disciple makers. Ananias disciples Saul. How else would Saul know immediately to get up and be baptized? Ananias disciples Saul. He keeps him around for a few days. He feeds him. He ministers to him through this crazy life-changing experience that he's just had with Jesus. Ananias didn't just go lay his hands on Saul and then leave. Saul got up and was baptized. He ate. He regained his strength. No doubt Ananias taught him a thing or two, ministered to him, prayed for him. He probably fed him from his own kitchen and began to introduce him to the other believers. But this was no easy assignment. Can you imagine the fear that Ananias must have had to overcome that? to do that. This guy wanted to murder Christians. He wants to throw them in prison, turn his whole world upside down, and he could. It was lawful evil, which is the scariest kind. No one would fault him for for doing it. He had permission from the government to do it. But Ananias, after only one, but God, he did say, but God, you know who this guy is, right? You know this guy, you know what he does, right? But God, After only one of those, he went and he tracked this man down and cared for him, discipled him, fed him, baptized him, and obviously began to teach him a thing or two because Saul immediately goes into teaching mode and begins preaching Jesus. I do want you to notice here that God can handle a but God. He can handle it. He factored that in when he asked you to to do something. (laughs) He factored in all your doubts, all your fears and hangups, all your flaws and faults, but he asked you. Some of us, we, we question, God, are you really calling me to do that? Do you know who that person is? Do you know who I am? How, how am I supposed to accomplish all of those things? I think I mentioned this last week, but I've definitely said, but God, a few a hundred times. <laughs> I've straight up said no to God before. When it came to preaching, I said, God, I'm not doing it. It's a big fat note for me. It's not happening. When it came to leading in bigger and bigger levels, I was constantly saying no. But God didn't leave me there. And ultimately, I submitted. I was obedient. I kept putting one foot in front of the other day by day, even though it was terrifying. But by far, the scariest thing to be obedient to God about is disciple making. When... Someone gives you unfettered access to their lives. When they hand you vulnerability, you know, they they put, they give you input into their lives. They put your heart in their hands. It's terrifying because you have to earn that respect to some degree. You have to live up to being worthy of it. It's big. It can be terrifying. Even with the kids this week at kids camp, you know. It hit me all over again. There, There is a special reward for faithfulness in disciple-making. That is sticking with it even when it's tough year after year after year. Pastors, ministry leaders, even just volunteers that stick around for a while. There is this special reward. Like, it's so easy to leave. 
so easy to quit and when you get offended or when you're feeling used, when, when leadership changes, it's, it's easy to move on sometimes. And definitely there are times when God calls you away, don't get me wrong, but when you stick around and you get to see the fruit that you would never see otherwise. At camp this week, there was a young chaperone uh, from a local church who went to kids camp with me back in like 2010 or 2011. <laughs> she was young then. And now she's in kids ministry, pursuing being a kids pastor, taking her little ministry to camp. It was the sweetest thing. And every time I saw her, I just saw a little eight-year-old. Her name's Katie. <laughs> little eight-year-old Katie that I took to camp 10 years ago, you know. And as, as I look back through old photos of camp from 10 to 12 years ago, when I first started in kids ministry, I found photos of Haley and Willie, who are behind things right now, running <laughs> cameras and um, soundboards and, you know, running things behind the scenes. Willie's a, an intern this year around the church, and Haley's our audio pro, the only one who knows all of those things. I took them to camp 10, 12 years ago. Like, discipling people is a long game. It's a long game. There's a special reward for people who do it faithfully. It's a quiet reward. But it's a reward nonetheless. It's scary. Disciple making is scary. It's a big responsibility. And, and I just hope to be worthy of it. I hope to be worthy of those kids looking up to me. I hope to be around for a long, long time as a staple in their lives, a steady presence, someone that loves them, believes in them, is their biggest fan. Obedience from years ago is paying off in passion now. Seeing Katie lead her own group of kids to kids camp renews that passion in me. I'm still just as passionate about kids ministry as I was 12 years ago, actually even more so now because I've seen the fruit from the long haul. And I think now obedience comes easier in a lot of ways. All right, I, I've seen it work out so often. Passion breeds obedience and obedience breeds passion. It's cyclical. I discovered this with God when I, I preached it a couple of years ago. Just how much passion breeds obedience and obedience breeds passion because passionate disciples are obedient. When we're obedient, when we see the principles of God work, it makes us want to be obedient in the future again. And when we see them actually work, it, it builds faith. Faith is built, not just put on. Obedience builds faith. Just last week, I have a man say, I had a man tell me that he's been tithing for two years now. When he first started, he had doubts. You know, we talked through all of them together, and I encouraged him to try it. But when he first started tithing, his credit was in the mid-400s. This is what he told me two weeks ago. My credit was low. It was in the mid-400s. It was bad. But now... Two years later, after tithing faithfully for two years, it's 760, I think he said. <laughs> and he credits tithing with that. It got me obedient. Came back into a line. I mean, practical stuff. I'm not talking about just spiritual stuff today. When we are obedient with the practical, God meets us there. It's amazing how this happens. In this case, obedience bred passion. I don't know any faithful tithers that aren't passionate about tithing. You hear these stories occasionally all over the place. Now, I 
started tithing and this, this, and this fell into place for me. I, I recommend it to everybody now. It's amazing. It just works. I don't know how it works all of the time, but it works. In fact, I, I don't know any tithers who have been doing it for any length of time, not passionate about it. Those stories are just everywhere. Same with other obedience issues as well. You know, I've seen humility work in relationships so often. I've seen the destruction that pride can bring. I'm passionate about staying humble because I've seen it work. It's practical, you know. But for the health of my relationships and for a healthy me, humility is powerful, so I'm going to be obedient to Jesus' teachings about humility. Same with purity before marriage or not being drunk or forgiveness versus unforgiveness. I mean, when you conquer an obedience issue, something that the Bible teaches us to do, and you see it work, become passionate about it. It might be hard to overcome at first, but passion breeds obedience. Obedience breeds passion. For Ananias, I can only imagine the wonder he felt when this was happening. You know, every everyone in the Christian Christian community at this point knew the name of Saul. Everyone knew that he was dangerous, right? That he was out there persecuting Christians. And Ananias said, "But God, that's the man that murders." Christians and Ananias got to see his change up close and personal because he had faith. Because he was obedient to what God was asking him to do. Seeing it happen must have been so inspiring. So inspiring that the next time God called him to do something dangerous, I bet he just leapt at the chance. But I love the Bible for this. I love how it it shows us Humanity. It's one of the, the reasons, logically, that the Bible is a reliable source of our history, of our religion. Because the Bible doesn't paint these characters as superheroes. It doesn't paint them as, as perfect in every way. In fact, it goes out of its way to show us their humanity. It goes out of its way to show us the but gods. But God, I, I, I can't do it. But in Ananias' case, but God, he kills Christians. Right In Moses' case, he said, but God, I'm not a great speaker. You remember that? Remember he said, God, I can't do it. My mouth, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at this. And God said, who makes mouths, Moses? Who makes them? I'm kind of the God of that. I can do that. We got this, right? Abraham said, but God, maybe there's good people in that city. And God listened or worked with him on it. Esther said, but God, the queen... The king wants to kill me. I have them mixed up in my notes. The king wants to kill me and all our people. Elijah said the queen wants to kill me and the people don't even want the message I'm trying to preach. But God, right? Mary said, but I'm a virgin. How, 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 <laughs> how is this going to happen? Right? We say today, but God, those people don't deserve forgiveness. We say, but God, I don't deserve this hardship. How dare you put me through this? We say, but God, People will make fun of me. But God, I, I don't have the finances for this. But God, how? How? I've done so many things I'm not proud of. How could you possibly use someone like me? We all have so many but gods. Our Bible heroes had them too. And they were people with real lives too. God included them in the Bible to show us that he's already factored in the but gods. 
It's already factored in our faults and our failures and disappointments and fears. Passionate disciples are disciple makers in spite of them. Passionate disciples are obedient in spite of the but gods. Passionate disciples are willing to pay the cost. Something Aaron and I say in ministry more often than I should probably admit, (laughs) obedience is costly. It costs your pride. Obedience costs your preferences. Obedience costs your sleep sometimes. And in my case this week, a lot of sleep. It costs it. It costs your budget. It costs your life. I mean, Jesus laid down his life. In Aaron and I's case this week, after that first night of sleeplessness, we were on the playground with the kids. We were like, why did we do this again? We're up all night with crazy kids. Why do we do this again? We're tired. It's costly. I had kids up in the middle of the night. I had, I had sleep chalkers. I heard a thud in the middle of the night one night this week. It was my own kid falling off the bed. <laughs> Camp food all week and answer one million questions a day. Sometimes it felt like an hour. But you know what? We also had a dozen little reminders every day about why we do this about why it's important it's important not just to send any parent or any willing young adult or just a warm body that thinks it might be fun to go to kids camp it's important to send disciple makers people that are passionate about pastoring people someone with a pastor's heart that's going to be patient and kind with the kids even when they're running on no sleep and super sore and hungry and haven't had their coffee yet this is but this is why fasting is important by the way it prepares you it trains you to put your own needs below everyone else's and focus on something else even when your body is screaming for sleep and caffeine it trains you before you need it obedience is costly but it's worth it for them don't go to kids camp for us We pastor people for them. We don't make disciples for us. Although it is amazing for your own faith to see someone else come to Jesus. We do it for them. Obedience has taken me to places in ministry I never wanted or planned to go. Heartbreaking places. Uncomfortable places. Humbling places. Lonely places. And some Christians will want to, to lie to you and tell you obedience isn't costly. Right? That, that only disobedience is costly. But I happen to think it sets you up for failure. It, it makes the carefree sin route look easier. Maybe it is in the beginning. But obedience is costly. It's just cheaper than disobedience in the long run. Disobedience will cost you Jesus. But because of Ananias' obedience, 
we have the bulk of the New Testament. Right? Most of the Christian communities around the world can trace their history back to something Paul did. We all owe him our own faith. Passion. Those early apostles, disciples, prophets, they made ours possible. We stand on their shoulders. Jesus was passionate. Even more passionate than Ananias. And even he asked that the, this cup of suffering be taken from him in his last moments. Of course, ultimately, he followed through. He was obedient, right? He laid down his life for us. Passionate. Obedient. It's costly in the short term. But so rewarding in the long term. If he hadn't paid the cost, I don't know who I'd be today. Be lost today. Broken. Wandering around in the dark. Obedience is a long game. An investment in your future. Passion doesn't happen overnight. It's fed over time. It's showing up at church on Sunday morning when you feel like sleeping in. Feeding your soul. Showing up even earlier at church on Sunday morning to help feed others' souls. To minister to kids. To tell them Jesus loves them. To shake hands at the front door. To encourage someone else. Be obedient. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. It's a... If there's a decision you're struggling with right now, choose the high road. If there is some selfishness and sin going on in your life, come clean. Apologize. Change. Come back into obedience. You never know what could come of it. And, and just because I've been talking about kids ministry, ministering to kids all morning, and we are in need of kids ministry volunteers right now, sign up for kids or youth ministry. Take that connection card on a seat around you. Check I'm interested in in one of the boxes. Hand it to the serve desk before you leave today. It's so important. Don't just be a disciple maker in your own group of friends or your own world. Be a disciple maker to kids. Pass on your faith to the next generation. Your obedience in that, you never know what it could produce. You could be producing the next Paul like Ananias did. You could be producing the next Billy Graham who was led to the Lord by his Sunday school teacher as a kid. How you could see those kids grow up and become pastors and leaders and business people and nurses and doctors, amazing people and Jesus followers out there in the world. It's so important to be obedient now. You don't have to know everything there is to know about the word. That you just have to be able to look someone else in the eyes, listen to them, really hear them, and tell them God loves them so much. Let's do the next right thing. Start today by praying for someone. Start today by signing up for a ministry. Start today by doing something. Start today by just asking God, show me who in my life I can be a disciple maker for. Show me who I need to start praying for. Maybe it's somebody right next to you at work that you never thought of that in that way before. Maybe it's a neighbor, a friend who needs encouragement. Maybe it's somebody here at church. Maybe kids' ministry is not your thing, but there is something, 
something God is calling you to do, to lay down or to stop doing something that may feel like a sacrifice today, but later you'll be so glad you did it. Take the leap. Commit to it today, like Ananias, even when it's scary. Come back into obedience. Be all in. That's what passionate disciples do. God, today we thank you. We praise you for your word. Thank you for giving us imperfect, normal, everyday characters in the word like Ananias. Thank you for showing us it's okay to say, but God, I'm scared. But God, I have doubts. But God, I I have fears. But God, I don't know if I can do it. Scary. Thank you for meeting us in those moments. Thank you for meeting us in those honest moments and encouraging us. Ensuring us it's going to be okay. God, thank you for your word. It's useful to teach us, correct us, and guide us. God, I call gifts and talents out of this body that we would be able to share our gifts and talents with others that we would be able to serve other people you would make us into vibrant passionate selfless disciple makers in your kingdom each and every one of us would be given a mission in life and I'm not saying a call to Africa or a call to be a pastor but just a mission in everyday life that we would look at our world as a mission field truly seeing the people around us as lost, broken, wandering around in the dark, and that you have the light, that we are the light. We carry Jesus with us wherever we go. We are capable of making the world a better place because of you. It's never been easier. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, Maybe today you would say, I need Jesus. I need that light. I came in here knowing that I'm not doing it on my own, that life is way more difficult on my own than it is with God. I know I've been disobedient. I know I do things I shouldn't do, and I know I don't do things I should do, and I'm probably just going to do it all over tomorrow. I can't do this on my own. Jesus came to make it easy. Make your burden light give you freedom peace hope for the future all you have to do is say I'm in I'm into following you I'm into laying down my life to, to saying I can't do this on my own anymore I need Jesus to be the boss of my life to be Lord of my life and I'm going to follow him from today forward I want to give my life to him that's you today. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you want to say, I'm in Jesus. I want to give my life to you. That's you and you're here in the room. Would you just slip up your hand right where you're sitting? I'm in to following Jesus. If you're watching online today and you, you're saying, I'm in, I want to give my life to Jesus, type I'm in in the comments. Send a text to the number on the screen. We'd love to help you with that decision today. Maybe today you're saying, I feel God is calling me to something. He's renewing a passion in me, stirring up a fire within me. I'm ready to give whatever it is he's asking for. 
I'm ready to sacrifice. I'm ready to be obedient. I'm ready to pay the cost. I'm ready to do what it takes to be a passionate, obedient disciple maker for Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hands? Father, thank you for every single hand raised. Thank you for every single hand raised. Thank you that there are willing people in this church and in this body in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania that, that want to serve you, that want to be light carriers to the world, that want to be that vibrant, passionate, selfless example of what it means to follow Jesus. God, make us into that people. And still within us, a passion that bubbles from within, of the Holy Spirit deep down in our souls that will bubble out onto the world around us in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, that we would just overflow with it, the fruit of your Spirit, that we would be attractive to the world, that they would see what we have and want to know what it is. God, I pray that you would send people to us asking questions. That they would see our example out in the world and they would be curious, so curious they have to ask, what is it that you have that I don't? How are you so joyful all the time? Peaceful all the time. You're going through all this and, and you're, you're able to withstand it. You're able to walk on the waves, not be drowned by them. How do you do it? God, send us those questions and let us be ready with an answer. That vibrant, passionate, selfless disciples in Freedom Valley would be ready with an answer. We'd be ready to say, Jesus. But it's not scary. We don't have doubts and fears. We're just ready to say, Jesus. Lead other people to you. Make us passionate and obedient disciples today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.